It's Cofield and Company. I'm giving you one more chance, Steve. I can't have you driving down the road in a skyjack drinking beer. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. I never expected to be here on this Friday for a Game yeah. 7. What the hell just happened this week? We'll break it down. Golden Knights, Game 7. This is the spot to watch it. we got a ton of prizes, all brought to you by uh, Jack Daniels. So come on down, sign up. Chance to win a VGK sweater, jersey. You can come down, sign up for that. We're giving uh, that away here during the playoffs. Good spot. Book is buzzing. We're going to talk to Kevin Klein, the uh, book director, a little later in the show. Von Tobel's on the scene. Angel is here. Again, we're at Samstown, right in front of the sports book. So come on by. Say hi. We are ready to go. We are ready to go. Trending at two. We got some NBA. We got some VGK to set up. By the way, for all the hockey information today, the best place to be is over on our hockey station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1340 and 98.9. FM. So uh, switch it over if you want to hear hockey. We're going to get to some of the Golden Knight stuff, but we, you know, on this station we hit a lot of the the other big news around the NFL. Raiders. Uh, clearly, the A's to Vegas is humming yes. along. That's a big story. So good stuff on the way. What's up, Von Tobel? You, uh, I think you had the same reaction that uh, Adam did, Adam Hill, when we were here last week. Uh, we are all West Side dwellers now. Actually, yes. uh, Adam is uh, almost out of town in uh, Sohi on the south side of town. So we don't always get over to the east side of town. But I love it over here. When I first got to town back in 96, I lived right behind Samstown. Uh, when I was working my way up the uh, radio chain, producer to start, making nothing, sleeping on the floor. Goal was to be a host, and look at where I am now, 25 years later. Longtime host in Las Vegas. It all worked out, right? It took you 25 years to get here. Huh? I know, right? Finally to this point. Oh. Yeah. It took me seven. I mean, I got <laughs> – I was <laughs> – Saying 25 years later, I'm here. Oh, okay. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't graduate high enough for your liking. <laughs> but uh, actually, the funny thing is, when I came out here uh, in '96, it was Sports Fan Radio Network, and the place was uh, anchored by a bunch of great hosts, tons of you know big name guys. Our buddy Seren Petro mm-hmm. was on the station that time. Eventually, uh, the fabulous Sports Babe and Pharrell and America's Program Director was on there as well. Um, and I came out, was hoping to host. Got a couple of breaks. Actually, one of my breaks was the morning host had some drug issues and started to fall asleep during live shows. Wow. And, uh, Good for you. And I was a producer behind the scenes. Not saying I was happy that it happened. I, you know, I don't know what happened to Wild Bill. I hope he's okay. But he was wild. It was Vegas. He lived in Pahrump. Uh, there was a time that uh, for a little while his car wouldn't go forward, so he had to drive it in reverse. He actually reversed through a uh, drive through to pick up food one time. I don't know how he operated. Sounds. I think he was just driving around. Vegas was a lot like traffic, a lot, lot less trafficy yeah. back then. You could just drive around town in reverse. That's a sort of a myth, but uh, I don't know how he did it. And then, uh, well, he kind of flamed out, and then I was on the air by the middle of, like, uh, 97. So 
It was, a, it was a quick ascent, and that was the peak. That was it. I pretty much plateaued for the next 24 years. So to answer your original question, I'm good. <laughs> well, you're the one who got me going. <laughs> and no, I haven't been out here for a minute. Look, like nothing against Tampa. I just, I literally, I when people say I, I'm on the other side of town, I'm literally on the other side of town. It was just a straight wow. shot down Flamingo for me this whole way. Uh, and I haven't been out here in a very long time. A buddy from high school lives right up the street. So, you know, that back then is when I've really came down here frequently. And yeah, it's actually, this is a really cool spot. Like it, it is. I love Samstown. It's it, one of the legends of it's Vegas. It's a classic spot. I love Boulder Highway. I um, live multiple times in the Boulder Highway area. So uh, actually way out in Henderson, used to come down here. would go to the country bar, Samstown, go to the cafe here, go across the street. Uh, to the Longhorn, um, obviously yeah. Sam Boyd's right up the road, so I've been at Sam Boyd zillions of times. Um, and I, I, y'all mentioned the same stories. I, the audience last week heard him. I apologize. But for John and new audience members, there used to be an unbelievable sports bar in the back of this place, you know, around. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got kind of their, their center area here with the waterfall and the, the, the wolf coming out. Right? Um, there used to be an unbelievable sports bar back there. That's now the buffet. Um, but this is a great place, great restaurants. Got the Angry Butcher now. That's the name of the steakhouse. I love that place. I love the theme. So always a big fan of Samstown. And this was, keep in mind, John, when I came here, I, the only gambling I'd been exposed to was Atlantic City, and that was all yeah. you know table games and slots. I come out here, and I'm like, sports betting. This is unreal. So I live right next door. It, it was like freaking appointment viewing, hanging out in the sports book, which used to be in the corner. They moved it you know, a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, this place, this place is awesome. You know, it got me thinking driving over here. I actually don't live that far from Samstown. Um, but I did have to go through the Spaghetti Bowl in the 95 corridor. And, you know, we see reports today that the A's are hot and heavy, right? Mm -hmm. They're all fired up about Las Vegas. And one of the things that will come with pro sports, major league sports, and I'm down with it. I'm down with it. I have no idea how they would pay for a stadium here. We'll see what, you know, what they come up with, and we'll see what the reaction is at that point. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that comes with Major League Sports and becoming a big-time city, jetting past 2.2 million people, is some basics like the roads. And we talk about the roads all the time. And, I, you know, when I was driving over here, uh, you know, I'm coming towards Samstown, going the other way towards the Spaghetti Bowl in downtown. It was like a four-mile backup. And you start to think, you're like, hey, th there are some costs. There are some great benefits. You know, that means tens of thousands of extra people could be coming to town every week. You know, if you've got basically sports year-round with a baseball team, too. Yep. But there is going to be that growing process. We're growing really fast. we got to get these roads done. And there's a whole project that's going to be going on just short of downtown, you know, to the east of downtown. Uh, that's going to take a while. Keep in mind, my guess is that basically from Sahara all the way down to Russell, minimum Flamingo to Russell and beyond, mm -hmm. that's all, you know, in the works to get reworked for the stadium so it'll be interesting here this will you'll you'll feel like this is a big city uh yeah <laughs> and <laughs> you, the, you mean, will the construction's ever there and i mean it's a good thing right just in general because the roads are getting fixed Let's but get for the done. time being as we are dealing with it uh, i find myself cursing at the sun and you know doing all sorts of things in my drive on yeah. the way down but uh hey man at least we get it done and people are working because of it, so that's always a good thing. Always got to remember the positives, Steve. It also raises the bar for everyone in sports around town, and yes. that includes UNLV. So UNLV's got to get it together on the football front. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little later with uh, Kevin Klein about the over-under numbers coming out for season win totals. UNLV football, not a whole lot expected by the, the national folks and the bookmakers, only at one-and-a-half wins. <laughs> you know, the last couple of weeks I was thinking about the basketball team, and I'm like, man, 
I'm watching the rest of the conference really load up with some good transfers. Uh, Richard Patino, or as we would call him the other day to insult Michael Malone, Dick Patino, mm-hmm. um, he's loaded up on some really good transfers. Uh, UNLV did a pretty good job bringing in transfers, but it, it's it's guys with upside um, and some big men, and then they got some guys who are at lower levels who can score. Uh, they got a guard from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They got uh, Nuga, who's kind of bounced all over the place. Those guys both, you know, scored in the you know 13 point to 18 point range. And I was thinking the last couple of weeks. Listen, they've got two spots left because Nick Blake is out. They need to hit, you know, one more impact player or a couple of home runs here with these last two spots. And we get the news today that uh, Bryce Hamilton will continue to test the NBA waters, but he is going to pull his name out of the transfer portal. And according to Jeff Goodman, he's coming back to be part of the Rebel, uh, run a Rebel program if it doesn't work out with the NBA, which I think is probably a long shot. That is tremendous news. Mm -hmm. I I think it's great on both fronts, right? For him, not only just to come back and write the program, it's in a good spot because, you know, it's funny as we talked about, like, where was the scoring going to come from? Does it give you an idea that maybe they had an idea that maybe he was going to, like, he was getting warmer to the idea of returning? But the other part for him personally is he should keep the door open on the NBA, right? Do everything he can to see what it's going to be like, see where he's at in the process, and then when he comes back, if he does come back, he knows what to work on and what he needs to do. So I, it's a win-win. It's very good for the program. That scoring that we were looking for is going to be there with now with Hamilton back on the floor. I, it's really cool. I, I like. There's going to be more scorers on this team. He won't have to be the alpha. By the way, there are alphas on the team, so – Bryce is going to have to mix with those alphas because Bryce is an alpha on the floor, but he's not an alpha off the floor. So they brought in some guys. Like, I'm telling you right now, Donovan Williams, who's, you know, more of a projection guy but was a four-star, was at Texas, he's got an edge to him. So you're going to see – because, you know, the alphas on on basketball teams don't have to be – we've seen that, right? Your guy, Mr. Triple Single, um, who plays great defense, and Dr. Dre, Draymond Green, like, you don't have to be the 25-point per uh, game guy to be the alpha. So he's going to have a good supporting cast around him. So that's good news. And uh, hopefully fans will be back out at the Thomas and Mac, and UNLV has some upside here to potentially finish top four in the Mountain West Conference. All right, big night in the NBA. We got to get to the Clippers. That's a tremendous story. And of course, Golden Knights, Game Seven. The pressure. It's all, it's all on tonight. You got to win this game and get out of this series and move on. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Can't happen. Can't do that. I mean, they've been chirping and playoff basketball, but you don't push a guy out of the air like that. Two hands. It's a dirty play. Dennis could have really got hurt right there. You know, uh, hard fouls, things like that. Playoff basketball, we, we accept those. Good thing he's okay, but uh, plays like that, you know, is unacceptable. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. What do you think of that? Anthony Davis complaining. Plays too rough. Was he talking about the time just a game ago when he kicked Jay Crowder in the crotch? Oh, no, no. He's talking about the hard foul on Schroeder. Yeah, come on, bro. Like, let, let's have, like, look inward for five seconds and realize what you did in game one and what's going on. Now, Booker's foul was completely out of frustration. For those who didn't see it, waning seconds, then a Schroeder goes up and, you know, Devin Booker's frustrated and he shoves him in the back and he falls to the ground pretty hard. Um, and generally, that's a dangerous play in basketball. You get hurt very badly doing that. Um so I can understand being frustrated by it. I feel like the messenger should be different. I feel like it shouldn't be Anthony Davis who kicked his foot out and sidelined Jay Crowder for a minute after he kicked him in the groin. Who's, who's also in LeBron's range of uh, the flopping and acting. Yeah. I understand it, soccer has now entered the basketball world, and you do what you have to do. But there was a play in game one where 
AD went to the ground on a rebound attempt, and when you watch the replay, no one touched him. He threw himself to the ground. Uh, well, there's a couple so, so So when you're – not only are you losing as the Suns, you've gotten some weird calls where they're pulling El Flapos. Yeah, you know what? I, I might I might foul you hard. Yep. Well, and here's the thing. There's just a couple things. One, I don't know if you saw the play. I'll have to pull this up. I think it showed you we were on the day after. There was a regular season game down the stretch where they played uh, Denver. And for those who don't know, they have a rookie point guard who's 30 from Europe. He's been playing big minutes. His name is Bakuno Compazzo. He's officially listed as 5'8". I always say he's 4'11". I'm not disrespecting his height. Don't be a heightist. Yeah, sorry. Okay, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't do that to a woman. Don't be a heightist. So he's like 4'2", and Facundo Campazzo like, just screens AD and takes him out. Like, just completely <laughs> takes him out. Like, he goes almost horizontal to the ground how far he – like, how hard he goes down. It's ridiculous. Come on. Like, Davis does it all the time. But also, like, there's this thing in, like, NBA Twitter and, like, this trend where you talk about Davis. If you watch, like, a Lakers game, Nobody in basketball falls harder to the ground than uh-huh. Anthony Davis. Yep. And I tweeted out yesterday, I think he just likes to limp. Yeah. I think he just, I don't know if he thinks it's yeah. cool. Every time he gets back up, he's limping, he's grabbing the leg. Like, it's insane. I had a friend who did that in pickup basketball <laughs> who would just throw himself to the floor all the time. Right. And then slowly climb off the floor and then, like, be right in five seconds. Yep. It's so nuts. weird. All right, so what's the setup tonight for the Clippers? Dude, this is so good. Like, I think this this has, anecdotally, there's so much drama because we know that the Clippers had the 3-1 series lead in the bubble yesterday, uh, yesterday uh, last year against the Denver Nuggets. You lose three straight games. They have now lost five consecutive postseason games. You have the story behind it, which is this team that was put together but acted like they had won the whole thing before they really had done anything at all, riding the coattails of Kawhi Leonard, who had done everything, you know, except for anybody around him, right? And they have just been so... I don't even know what the word is because I don't even think they've been bad. I don't know how much you've watched of the first two games. The level of shot making that the Dallas Mavericks have put together through the first two games. Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting 60% from three. He's got like 14 or 15 three-point attempts. The team is shooting like 56% from three. It has been nuts how good they have been at shooting the ball of the Dallas Mavericks, but nobody likes the Clippers. And this team is now Kawhi Leonard, remember, can be a free agent this summer. They signed Paul George to the extension. The way they put this team together, like there's just so many storylines around this Clippers team. Got to win. You it, this got to win or there's, there's Armageddon three There's nothing. no choice. There's no choice. And look, there's there's a lot of talk that Kawhi Leonard, like he is up to his you know financial portfolio quite a bit by living in L.A. There's a really good shot that he's still going to stay. But regardless, you're talking about all of the pieces around him and the moves that they have made. Remember, remember, Luke Kennard's on this team. They signed him to a massive extension. He can't even see the floor. Like, there's just so many different parts around this whole entire story. And then you get just greatness unfolding in front of you. And Luka Doncic just doing what he's doing. It's a must win for the Clippers, and I cannot wait to watch it. Like, this has been – I think this is the most anticipated I've been for a playoff game ever. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Today's conversation with Mark McMillan is presented by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. It's Friday, time to check in with our football insider, Mark McMillan, former chief, former eagle, is here with us, avid golfer. What would you, uh, what did you do all week this week? It looked like you played some golf. Uh, I did a lot this week, and you know, the, the I think the great thing about it, I saw some people tweet it out. They're like, "Who won?" Because I played against my son and a buddy of mine, Todd Barrett, who uh, is actually really good friends with the uh, Golden Knights uh, owner. He actually built his house 
Uh, so oh, wow. we had an opportunity to go out to the uh, country club. You know, they ain't just letting anybody out there on the country club. So, you know, we got a chance <laughs> to go out there and, and smack it around. But, man, just having my son out there, uh, you know, seeing his uh, improvement, uh, you know, on, on the links was, was great, man. It was good to get out there and, you know, just to see people walking around and, you know, out there in Lake Las Vegas, a beautiful, beautiful course out there as well. Mark McMillan's up on Cofield and Company. In the NFL, uh, it's clear Julio Jones is done with the Falcons. He went on with Shannon Sharp, said, you know, basically, I'm out of here. Then for some reason said he didn't want to go to the Cowboys, which actually hurts the, <laughs> the Falcons' cause. Where do you think Julio should go? Right now on the betting board, the Patriots are the favorite. Is that the best landing spot for Julio Jones? I don't know if it's the best landing spot. Um, you know, it depends on who's quarterback and it depends on how Cam is going to develop as a quarterback. Um, you know, they drafted, you know, Nikhil Harry, you know, their first pick, you know, two years ago. And it's just been, you know, nobody's really stepped up. So, you know, that could be a good fit for him. I know New England is really trying to get back, uh, you know, to the big dance. And, you know, I, I saw some rumors about the uh, the Raiders, you know, being in the mix. You know, would they be willing to give up a first round pick? Uh, you look at their receiving core, uh, you know, it's a young receiving core. And, you know, if you're going to compete against the AFC West, West guys, you have to have a difference maker on the outside. And Julio Jones, I think, will fit well in this system. Uh, I think he'll fit well in New England. I'm sure if he goes to New England, everybody's going to be up in arms. Like, how in the hell did Belichick pull this one off? Yep. So we've got another step in uh, Tebow mania this oh, morning Lord. in NFL news. Well, how about this? I mean, this is exactly <laughs> what I was talking about uh, a couple weeks ago when people were flipping out about Tebow playing tight end. And I said at the time, he's going to be a utility player. He's going to be a gadget player. He is going to play some quarterback. He's going to be like a Taysom Hill to Urban Meyer. And now that's come out as a Diana Rossini from ESPN saying, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly the kind of player that Urban Meyer is looking at Team Tebow as in his offense. Do you think that works? Or are you more bullish – I know you were questioning the move to tight end. Like, it ain't going to work. Are you more bullish right. on Tebow at 33 years old coming into the NFL and being in one of those wildcat, you know, distraction guys, run a play here or there? It's going to be tough. You know, You know, he, he's an older guy. Obviously, he's always been in shape. And, you know, he's been sitting on the uh, sitting on the shelf, obviously trying to hit a fastball. That didn't work out for him. Uh, but, you know, for him to be a utility guy, I still think he should just be a guy in the front office, uh, you know, maybe the team chaplain or something like that. You know, they're trying to create ways and, and positions to get him on the field as much as possible, but you got to be able to perform. And if he's not able to perform those, uh, those duties, you got to remember, there's going to be some defensive ends that, you know, can you imagine if they move Aaron Donald to the outside and, and put him off over Tebow, you know, there's going to be some defensive ends that's going to take that real personal. And, you know, I'm sure if I was a defensive end, I'm trying to give him everything I can. Within the Lord's power, right. of course. <laughs> so if we believe he's making the team, which is kind of a big deal, uh, there actually is a prop bet here in town. For this season, you can bet over under two and a half touchdowns scored by <laughs> Tim Tebow. Over under two and a half touchdowns scored. People are pounding the under. It's minus 165. Would you bet over? I mean, if Meyer is really dedicated to getting this guy out there. He loves him that much. I I mean, oh, I assume he's, he's playing, and, and, yeah, and he's going to be on the goal line getting the ball. Oh, he's giving him an opportunity. They, they didn't bring him in just, you know, for, for, for looks. You know, Urban Meyer, in his head, he wants to prove a lot of people wrong as well. That's just the way he's in. And, you know, if they get inside the 10, inside the red zone, on the goal line, Tebow is going to be in that package somehow, whether it be a, a sweep with the tight end, whether it be a tight end out in the flat, 
Uh, you know, he's going to cause a mismatch because he is big and physical. So, you know, you spread him out in, in the slot, uh, you know, let him be on a smaller defensive back or a linebacker. You know, he can probably make those guys miss. And, you know, he, he is a big physical guy. I will give him that. Um, he seems like he's in good shape. And like I said, Vegas, Vegas is going to be going crazy over this, man. They're going to they're gonna be eating it up. Mark McMillan is with us. So Mark's doing well. You know, you could tell Mark, you know, protected his money, was smart during his NFL career. I assume you agree with me, right, that you, you weren't crazy with the spending, right? I, I did go a little crazy after I got my first little uh, a nice little signing bonus in New Orleans. I was like, man, we're not winning any games. I might as well go buy another car. What'd you, you know? buy? What'd you buy? <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't have to buy it. Uh, it was part of the deal. Tom really? Benson said, you know, once I signed my deal, he was like, hey, go to – he owns like half the dealerships in New Orleans. He was like, go to the dealership and pick out whatever you want. I was like, "Oh wow, what? I was like, wow, I, I really like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked out a, a brand-new Land Cruiser, man, straight off the lot, you know, got the rims on it, had the whole inside kit done. So I was excited, man. So, you know, I, I didn't go too crazy, yeah. but I will admit I did splurge. Now, I was, I, yeah. I was up in the uh, establishments here in Vegas. I did pay for some tuitions. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> I was thinking of you in terms of managing money when I saw this story. I don't know if you saw it, but Janoris Jenkins – says that uh, he had his car stolen from the Atlanta airport, and it's a $250,000 Rolls-Royce. And then I was thinking to myself, my God, does someone need a car like that? Like, how much money has Janoris Jenkins made? Well, he actually has made a lot of money. He's got, uh, I think, contracts that total upwards of, like, 84 mil. So, you know, you take the taxes out, he's probably still north of, like, 35 or 40 mil in money earned. I don't know. I just... I'm so cheap. I can't imagine having millions. I, I would always worry about the future and be like, I don't know. A two hundred and fifty thousand dollar car seems like too much. But I'm sure. I'm sure you were around guys who weren't making Janoris oh. Jenkins money and were spending ridiculous amounts on toys like cars. Oh man, just from from Philadelphia to obviously in Kansas City, you know, Derek Thomas has some nice toys. Uh, you know, Dar- uh, Dale Carter was making. You know, he was making big time money back then. Uh, you know, when he was playing, he had a lot of nice toys. Andre Risen, you know, seemed like he had a new car every month. You know, <laughs> Rolls Royces, Porsches. I was like, bro, we in Kansas City. It's about the snow. What are you going to do with a Rolls Royce and a Porsche in the snow? He's like, I just like the way it looked. Nice. You know? <laughs> so Mark's from Southern California. He went to Alabama, but he's from Southern California. You're a big Lakers fan, so I know you watched the Lakers game last night. They did a good job, Ooh. and AD was back. He looked all hobbled. He was pulling kind of the Jim Brown, hobbling around, and then he, he ripped apart the Suns. I got to ask you, as a former athlete, what do you think about the fan behavior, fans being allowed back in the buildings all over the NBA and in Utah, Philly, and New York, they're acting like complete morons going after the players. In some cases, you know, spitting on them, throwing popcorn on them. It's a little nutty. Uh, I, I would say a lot nutty. And, you know, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, even when I was playing, I was talking to uh, one of the kids that I, I trained, and I was telling him about my experiences going to New York, uh, you know, playing against the Giants as a rookie. I'm, and I'm sitting on the bench, and, you know, Seth Joyner is next to me, and there's just hurling cups of, I think, I thought was beer. And I was like, bro, why are they wasting their beer? He's like, no, nah, little dude. He said, they're throwing piss. You know, the, the, so it's been going on for a long time. I did. I think I put out a video. Uh, you know, I think I had like two interceptions at one game. So they were really pissed at me. Huh. So a guy really, um, I, I'm going to tweet out that video, man. You can see the guy. They're cursing me out. One guy's throwing me the number one finger, which I love. I was like, hey, I'm number one in your book, baby. <laughs> but uh 
you know, some of the things that you see, obviously Philly's been known to have fans, you know, to, to cross the line. Um, everybody, you know, knows about Utah. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, Utah is nice and clean. They have some, some uh, you know, coming from players and hearing about it, they have a racist fan base. And, you know, it's, I, I'm not the first one to probably say it, and I won't be the last one to, uh, to say it, but, you know, when you come across that, uh, that line as, a, as an athlete, as a fan, and the guy in New York, he spit on Trey Young. Like, I don't know if I would have been to help my, yeah. hold myself back, you know, from that. Like, you know, if Trey Young goes into the stands and, and grabs this guy, all of a sudden this guy's going to shoot sue Trey Young. Um, you know, now these guys will get their tickets revoked. Wow, big deal. I think it should be harsher than that. If you spit on somebody, that's like that's like the ultimate no no. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you don't you know you don't you can call somebody a name, but when you spit bodily fluid through COVID, like like yeah, come on, bro. <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. Uh, Mark McMillan, former NFL player, is up with Cofield and Company here. Mark, let's close on uh, well the way we do every week. We go to the grill. Let's go to the grill. What do you got coming yeah. up this weekend? You got another seminar? Oh, I got another uh, segment coming up, man. Grilling McMillan cooking segment coming up tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm in the process. I don't know if I'm going to do salmon. I don't know if I'm going to do steak. I don't know if I'm going to do shrimp. So I, I'm, I'll pose a question to people that's listening. You know, once you hear the show, tweet out what you think I should put on the grill for tomorrow. And I'll try to make it happen because I got steak. I got ribs. I got chicken. I got fish. And at the end, I'll probably going to make a nice little sangria, baby, because it's going to be nice and hot tomorrow. <laughs> there you go, Mark. Man, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Steve. Spot Today with Mark McMillan is brought to you by Weed Sellers. WeedSellers.com. It's C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. No CBD, no cannabis, but the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. Get up on the web. Order now. Ask for Weed Sellers at your grocery store or liquor store. Online, it's WeedSellers.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on a Friday, we've been talking to uh, media members from the cities, the opponents that are coming to town this NFL season to take on your Las Vegas Raiders at the Al. Miami is in week three. Alex Dono covers the scene around the Dolphins. Also the Heat. Alex, I cannot believe, speaking of basketball, that the Heat have just completely flopped in this series after making the finals a year ago. Yeah. And on that note, and thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, you know, after and I'm not one of these, you know, delusional Heat guys who thought, oh, yeah, they'll come back down from 0-2, no problem. No, I, I said after, uh, after losing game two the way that they did in Milwaukee, falling down 0-2, I said that they were finished. But with that said... I really thought they'd have a strong performance last night in Miami. I really thought they'd make the series two to one. And you, you got a lot of what you got in game two. They just look really lifeless. And, you know, Jimmy played a little bit better, but it wasn't like he set the bar very high with games one and game two. And it just it wasn't competitive. And honestly, uh, I think this is going to be a big wake up call for Pat Riley in the heat brass because. I had thought this coming out of last season. You know, they had that amazing run in the bubble. They got to the NBA Finals. They had a, an unbelievable playoff run. They punched above their weight last year. And I thought Riley got a little bit too enamored with the current status of the roster. And it's not to say it's 100% the same as it was last year because Jay Crowder was a pretty nice piece, and they let him walk uh, over to Phoenix 
So uh, they really could have used him, I think, in this series. But I thought Riley fell a little bit too in love with Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, what guys like that provided. And, you know, he passed up opportunities potentially to make the team better. He does the radio. He's a host on OnsideRadio.com, Onside Radio. It's Alex Dono. All right, let's talk Dolphins. My God, the schedule release. I think you know most of us in all these markets look at it. You're like, eh, yeah, it's somewhat optimistic. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to have a bad season, but coming out of the gates, what the hell is this? At Pats, home Bills, Raiders, Colts. I mean, this this is rough. <laughs> it's a buzzsaw. Like to start the year, to start the year, it's an absolute wood chipper. I mean, if you if you take like the entire average of the schedule they technically have one of the more favorable schedules in the league if you, if you go by those dumb metrics of oh what the opponents did last year to this year so who, who knows if that really means anything but uh, but yeah the, the first uh, the first five weeks are, are going to be really really tough so it's one of those things where like you, you want to be basically treading water like you want to go two and three or three and two to start the year uh, and that's kind of the way it's gone with Brian Flores the last two seasons with so the Dolphins head coach how you know, obviously, two years ago, they only won five games, but they had a historically bad start and actually had a nice finish to the year. Last year, they had a rough start and, you know, ended up with a 10 and six record. So they usually tend to start a little bit slow and kind of catch their stride a little bit later in the season. Uh, they also have to make the trip to London this coming year to take on the Jaguars. And uh, it's not a home game. So it's the Jaguars losing the home game, not the Dolphins. But the Dolphins actually opted I think it's like week seven or week eight, whenever it is that they go to that they go to London and the Dolphins opted not to have the bye week right after, which is usually what teams do, because you like to get the little recovery time after London. But they actually wanted to have their bye week late. I think they have it in week 14. And so uh, Brian Flores must kind of have realized these last couple of years that we can really use that rest late season more than we can use it midseason. So it's definitely not an easy schedule. And, you know, you listen, you look inside the division. I think the Bills are still going to be fantastic. Uh, I think the Patriots, they're going to get better than they were last year. And, you know, the Jets should still be the bottom feeders, but I think they're going to get a little bit better than they were last year. Right. So the AFC East is going to be tougher. Yeah, and I didn't include the uh, Bucks on the back end of that first five weeks. So you look in week three, uh, Dolphins come here uh, to play the Raiders in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm not saying it's a must win, but when you start plotting out the schedule, like they need that win. Yeah, yeah, and and, un- and unlike uh, last season, we're not gonna, the Dolphins are not going to have the closer Ryan Fitzpatrick right. because they're, they they certainly weren't going to win they weren't going to win no. that game against the Raiders last year if not for Fitzpatrick coming in and making that ridiculous circus throw that he made when he was get taken down. So yeah, I mean, uh, Tua Tagovailoa has got to be better. There's no ifs ands or buts about that. Will Dolphins fans travel? You know, we've talked to a bunch of markets that have real aggressive fans, and, you know, Vegas is a cool destination. I mean, Miami's awesome, so I don't know how much they travel. Will Dolphins fans travel out here, like, in excess of maybe more than 500 fans total? Yeah, no, I think I think absolutely. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good traveling fan base to okay. begin with. And uh, and I, I I'm 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 going to try to get out to that game. So hopefully I'll see you out there. Um, you know I'll probably end up going as a member of the media. So I'm not going to be painting my face or anything. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna keep it professional. But I've talked to I've talked to dozens of Dolphins fans who are already planning their trips out to Vegas. And so obviously like Dolphin fans travel pretty well. But you know they may not go out of their way to go to somewhere like Buffalo. But I think they will absolutely go out of their way 
to go somewhere like like Las Vegas. So, yeah, I, I'm expecting a pretty massive Dolphins contingent out there. So let's talk about the prospects for this season. It was a 10-win team a year ago, but now the closer, as you mentioned, Fitzmagic is gone. It's all on Tua. So to me, one of the biggest things with Tua is kind of stretching out that offense. And you can see with the receiving core they've built, they want him to throw downfield. So explain to me why he was checking down so much last year. Was that the offense? Was that a little bit of fear of getting hit and the hip recovery? What was it? Well, Tua bailed me out because I really don't have to explain it to you because Tua actually explained it this week. Uh, The Dolphins had an OTA session that was open to the media on Wednesday, and Tua spoke afterwards, and he was extremely open and candid about last year. And um, he he basically said, uh, I dropped the ball when it comes to my preparation and really my understanding of, of the playbook. And Anybody who really watched the Dolphins last year and you saw the differences when Tua was on the field versus when Fitzmagic was on the field, uh, the playbook was wide open for Fitz and it was very limited for Tua. And everyone kind of wondered, you know, is that is that the the fault of the offensive coordinator? Is he is he purposely handcuffing Tua? Does he just not have faith in him? Does Tua not have faith in himself? Uh, I, I think it was it was really all of the above. I don't think that Tua had the full understanding of the playbook the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick did. So when Tua was on the field, Chan Gailey, who is no longer the Dolphins offensive coordinator, by the way, but he they promoted from within. So the playbook may be kind of similar. We're sort of yet to yet to see that. But that yeah, the playbook was really limited when Tua was out there. And so there were handcuffs on him. And and you you know, Dolphins fans can't completely blame the coaches for having handcuffs on him. You blame Tua himself. And there are plenty of excuses for that. I mean, um, you know, uh, did did I expect him and, and wish he played more consistently well last year? A hundred percent. I'm also understanding, though, that it's not as easy for every rookie to hit the ground running on the academic side of things. And he dealt with a lot of challenges last year in his personal life coming off the hip injury, which you did mention in the buildup. And, you know, uh, when when a lot of players were having kind of a, you know, a semi-normal, whatever normal meant last year, but like a semi-normal training camp, he couldn't have that because he was still rehabbing from his hip injury and he had no preseason. So I think things like that kind of facilitated, you know, him being a little bit held back from a playbook standpoint. So, you know, this year, uh, it's it's sink or swim for him because he doesn't have limitations physically right now like he did a year ago. And you see him, he's putting on some muscle and some bulk. So he's able to work on some things in the weight room that he wasn't able to work on last year. And he also has better, better talent around him, Steve. I mean, that, that's the big thing that we can't avoid as well because, uh, you know, outside of uh, Devontae Parker, who wasn't even all that healthy last season, you know, he's throwing to guys like Mac Hollins and Lynn Bowden Jr. because, uh, you know, you didn't have much depth at the receiving core a season ago. And the Dolphins went and they added Will Fuller in free agency and they added Jalen Waddell in the first round of the draft. So, uh, you know, really, there, there's no reason why Tua can't take a step forward this year. I just think the question is, does he take a small step forward or does he take a big step forward? We're talking Dolphins because the Dolphins are coming to Vegas week three. That's uh, September 26th. And Alex Dono covers the scene in Miami, Dolphins and Raiders going at it again. That is uh, week three. So out here we've got this brand new stadium, beautiful stadium. Hard Rock Stadium looks kind of new because they put money into it, you know, and refurbished it. And we've got a gigantic event. We wanted this event, but you guys got it with uh, Floyd Mayweather against Logan Paul. Um, this arena and stadium stuff is fascinating, right? It, it really is. And 
you guys were built. You got ripped off by the Marlins. So, you know, that, that went public. They lied. They got their stadium. We may get baseball, right? Baseball is a weird sport. So I would love to see the, the third pro sport, major league sport, come here. But I also think partnering with baseball is a little questionable from the age standpoint of the average fan. I also don't trust baseball brass. They're, you know, across the, the sport, unfortunately, there's a lot of freaking shady characters. I just want to go back and give uh, or get your stadium take on uh, the Miami situation. And has the stink of that not worn off to the point where that's why fans don't show up for Marlins games? Like, what's the reason no, Like, their attendance is so low in a nice yeah. stadium like that? Yeah, and you're right. It's a really nice stadium, and and that, that that's a huge part of it. The way that the stadium got built because they, you know, they they allocated taxpayer money to get it built. Uh, this was back in I'm not exactly sure the year they started building it, but 2012 was the year that it opens. So was probably around like 20 2010 when they broke ground on it, and you know, people seem kind of on board with it, even though they use public money. But then. They opened the ballpark and, and and the ownership group at the time had put a ton of money into building what looked like a really competitive roster. And then in the trade deadline of their very first season, fire sale, and they kissed it all goodbye. And yeah, there, there's a ton of fans, even though it's almost been a decade since that happened and it's not even the same ownership group. Yeah, I know plenty of people who have not forgiven them for that. I mean, that was Jeffrey Loria and David Sampson. We now have Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter in charge. And yet they are still trying to turn around bad feelings from old ownership. And the other part of it, when you ask if there's a stink on it, the stink that came from that Marlins Park debacle uh, was not even just from a baseball side. It's also changed South Florida politics a lot because, uh, you know, you mentioned Hard Rock Stadium, uh, you know, our, our NFL stadium down here, which got a big makeover um steven ross who owns that stadium had wanted to use public money to do it and they it he couldn't get through any parts of uh, of the local politics down here so he eventually ponied up his own money to make the renovations and i'm happy he did that but there was no public money for that uh, th- th- that's created some challenges with uh, with our mls team inter miami who have been trying to build their permanent stadium at a certain site in Miami-Dade County, and they've met, a t- and, and they actually want to spend their own money on it, but there are still certain, like, tax uh, perks that are way above my head that they have to work out, and they've met a lot of challenges with that, and it really all stems from Marlins Park, that if not for what happened with Marlins Park, I think we would have had a partially publicly funded Hard Rock Stadium and a partially publicly funded soccer stadium, yeah. but you can't do that anymore down here. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the worries here for me in Vegas, uh, Major League Baseball would be cool. Uh, getting a team would be cool, but it's also got to match the market. And that's why I think Miami and Vegas have some, some uh, similarities with so many transplants. Um, you got to win here. And I know you know that people say that about every market, but it's not true. People will show up in other markets because they're loyal to the team, right? They will go and, and endure five losing seasons, which I think is stupid. But here in Vegas, the Golden, well, I mean, the Golden Knights have set a tone. The owner, yeah. Bill Foley, is a lunatic. They made the Stanley Cup in an expansion season. By the middle of the next season, he's like, eh, I, you know what? I don't like Gerard Gallant. Uh, management doesn't like him. He's out. So the standard's been set here, and they win. I mean, they've got a game seven tonight. We'll see if they get through the game. Like, you have to win in Vegas. And that my worry is the A's have turned off the money spigot. They're, they're little gritty, gutty A's. Like, that ain't going to work in Vegas. And I know, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, you don't win in Miami. People aren't going to show up. So let, let's close back on the Dolphins. We'll come full circle. Over-under is nine wins. They won 10 last year. You going over or under nine wins? 
You know, I think I'm going just over, and and part of that is there is an extra game this year, so you you could uh, you, you you could win an extra game and also you know lose the same. Uh, you, you you could win the same number of games while losing an extra game this year. I, I, I think it's right around that mark. I, I think they're going to be in kind of like last year, a really close playoff race. It's just kind of going to depend on how competitive the rest of the AFC was because the Dolphins had a little bit of bad luck because most years, 10 wins, uh, 10 and 6 would have been good enough to get you into the playoffs. They didn't have that luck last year. So I think they're going to be kind of on the fringe. They'll be right in that same spot this year. You can also bet yes, no to make the playoffs. The yes is plus one twenty five. The no is minus one fifty. Both, you know, the that no yeah. is affordable. So, if I think I'm going to go with the slight, I, I think I would lean to the no. I'm right? not going to bet the farm on it, but right. I would lean to the no. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. That was awesome, and we'll see you out here in September. Okay, thank you so much, man. There he is, Alex Dono. You can hear him on OnsideRadio.com. Three o'clock hour is on the way. We get into some baseball and find out what the hell is going on with Shohei Otani and the Bart system. 